Once again, good morning, and um, <clears throat> welcome to St. Paul's on this uh, dreary day, but it's looking less dreary now. That's exciting. We um, have come today to the last Sunday in our liturgical calendar, and in the, in the church's calendar, the new year actually begins um, sometime in early December. This year is late November uh, with the first Sunday in Advent. And so next week, we will um, enter into the season of Advent, and we will enter into a time of expectation, a time um, in our life together where, where we are expecting the Savior to come, um, expecting the birth of Jesus, expecting Christmas, and also at the same time expecting Christ's return. And so um, the church year, so it starts there in Advent, and it winds up here today on this last Sunday after Pentecost, known as Christ the King Sunday. So we start um, before Christ is born, and we finish with him ascended and reigning in heaven, and one day returning to be king and judge over his people. And so that's what we're going look to like, look at today. Jesus, the king, Jesus the judge, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 to do that. So maybe um, if you've got Bibles, I would now would be the time to open them up. That would bless me. Um, if you've got them on your phone, uh, by all means, pull that out and, and turn it on and, um, and, and check out your Bibles. We're in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, um, and we uh, would love for you to follow along with me if you are able. This is a great and famous passage about sheep and goats. In fact, we here at, at St. Paul's have, have taken this to heart, and well, you can't see it today because our screen is out, so we're using the big screen here, but behind the screen, if you will recall, there's a sign um, from Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, whatever you did for the least of these, you did also for me. So this passage has been uh, rightly taken by St. Paul's so by Christians around the world as, as an impetus for followers of Christ to go out and to do ministry in their communities, and especially among the least, the poor, the hungry, the imprisoned. That's, that, that, that's the call of Christians. But that's not, first and foremost, what this passage is about. I would say that's a consequence of this passage, but it is not what this passage is about. Before this passage can be about mercy, it has to be about kingship. Before it can be about love, it has to be about judgment. Jesus, you see, begins with the Son of Man enthroned and His angels sitting next to them, and it is only out of that that flows acts of mercy and love. And so Jesus, we need to remember, is answering a question, okay? He's been answering a very short question with a very long answer. In fact, it's taken him two full chapters to answer his disciples' questions. His disciples want to know this. What, Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? What will be the sign? They want to know what to look for. They want to know what will happen. What is coming at the close of the age? And Jesus gives a long discourse, very hard to understand, very uh, tricky to go through. Um, but he comes to this scene to kind of sum it all up. 
And so he begins with his kingship. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And so Jesus, first and foremost in this passage, is saying the Son of Man is, is going to come, and he's called himself that. This whole, this, whole, this whole gospel of Matthew refers to himself as the Son of Man, and he's going to be enthroned. And all his angels, a whole army of angels will be with him, and then he will judge. Now, if we want to really fully sort of grasp what Jesus is saying, we need to be a little bit immersed in sort of the Old Testament expectation. What, what were the disciples looking for? I mean, that was a very pointed question, wasn't it? They knew that something was going to happen, and they wanted to know what it was. What did they have in the back of their minds? Well, how about this? Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is of an Old Testament prophecy. Daniel was given a vision by God, and this is what he saw. Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. See that? So Daniel sees one like a son of man. What he's saying is he, he sees somebody that looks like a person. This doesn't look like some uh, creature. It doesn't look like some imagination. It looks like a person. And this person comes before the ancient of days. Who is that? That's God himself. And God gives this one like a son of man power and dominion and authority and his dominion is everlasting and it will not pass away. And Jesus is saying, friends, that is me. That is me. When I return, when the Son of Man returns, I will be sitting on a throne with an army of angels at my side. I will be your king. You will be my people. Friends, Jesus is our king. Jesus has taken the Old Testament expectation. He's taken the Old Testament story, and he's saying all of these things, all these things you were hoping for, all these things you were longing for, they all point to me. I'm the one you have wanted. I am your king. And so Jesus the king, sitting on his throne, what happens next? Verse 32 and 33 before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. So Jesus is king. Jesus as king is also the judge. Jesus is the king and the judge. And an important part of his rule is to look at his kingdom and separate Sheep and goats. He's separating the sheep from the goats. This would have been a very important um, expectation of the Messiah. Nothing new here. The disciples are they're on board and they're saying, okay, son of man, Messiah, enthroned and now judging. He's going to judge the nations. And when they hear that, they're thinking he will look at Israel 
He will look at Rome. He will look at the nations of the past, Greece and Persia and Assyria and Babylon, Ephraim, all these, not Ephraim, um, Edom, all these nations that have persecuted Israel at some point, the disciples are thinking, finally, they're going to get it. Finally, it's our turn. Finally, we will be exalted. And so they expect a Messiah, a king and judge, to judge the nations. But here is interesting. Yes, the nations will be gathered around him, but he's not separating nations, is he, there in verse 32? He's separating people, one from another. This isn't nations. This isn't good nations and bad nations. This isn't the U.S. over here and Germany over here. He's he's separating people. There's no nation that has a monopoly on God. Only the church. Only the body of Christ. And so he's separating people. Sheep and goats, these are people who believe in Jesus, who know him, and people who don't. So the king and the judge here separating the sheep from the goats. An interesting thing I found in in my research that one commentator mentioned, it's a little bit of an aside, but it's fascinating, and I think it makes sense. Um, Sheep and goats in those days in Israel were very hard to distinguish. Now you're thinking, well, come on. Sheep, they're big and they're fat and they're white and they walk on pretty grassy plains. um, But not in Israel. It's dirty. The sheep are dirty. The goats are dirty. They're all brown. And so it takes a pretty discerning eye, perhaps. You know, it takes a a very good shepherd to actually be able to separate these um, discerningly, to separate separate these sheep and goats. But how does he do it? How does Jesus know? Let's read on. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry? And so forth and so on. And Jesus will say, whatever you did, For the least of these, you have done for me. How does he know? He sees our actions. He sees our works. Now, we're on thin ice here, okay, because what we're not going to say, we're not going to say that what you do earns you favor before God, because nobody in this room, myself included, can do enough to earn God's favor. But what he is saying is, when you have faith in me, What you do will reflect that faith. And going to church on Sunday morning doesn't count. That's part of it, but it's just an hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes a week, guys. Who we are day in and day out in our regular settings will reflect our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see this? The sheep, they're not trying to earn anything. They didn't even know what they were doing, right? They just did it. That's just who they were because they loved Jesus. Who they were were loving and giving and generous people. They weren't, earned, they weren't trying to earn anything. They said, when do we do this? That's great. Thanks. We'll take it. But when do we do it? It just flows out of a loving heart. 
And a loving heart has to be loved first. And so the judge, the shepherd, looks at his sheep and his goats and he sees the difference. And he knows their hearts. And part of the way Jesus knows our hearts is because he's been invited into them. And what we do is by his power and the power of his Holy Spirit and out of thanksgiving for what he has done for us. So what are we going to do with these things? Well, first, remember this. Jesus is your king. He is your king. Now, he's he's the Lord of your life, king. He's Lord of your life. Now, some of you uh, might not want that. Some of you might say, well, I'm I'm not sure. I, I don't want this Jesus guy. But that actually does not matter. The king is the king. You don't get a choice. Jesus is your king. He's your Lord. Now, some people might reject their king by all means. That, that's certainly your, your, your choice. But it doesn't change the fact of who Jesus is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's sitting on his throne at the right hand of God, and his enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. Jesus is your king. When Fred was here, you remember Fred, big, tall guy um, from Kenya? He told a story about um, Uganda. And in Uganda, there's um, mostly the tribe is the Bugandan tribe. And the Bugandans still have a king. And when that king walks down the street, if you are a Bugandan and that man is your king, you fall to your face. You lay prostrate before him. It doesn't matter what you're wearing, what you're doing. You could be a businessman going to work at the bank. And when that king walks down the street, you in your suit lay down before him. Because he's your Lord. Jesus Christ is our Lord and our King. Have we prostrate before him? Have we offered all of our lives to him? Jesus is also your judge. He's your king, and he's also your judge. Now, we get a little nervous. We say, well, I don't really want to talk about judgment. That's not fun, and that's not happy or exciting. But here's the alternative, okay? We want to say, well, God's not really going to judge me. God's just going to love me. And and he does. That's true. But, But think about this. If God refused to judge sin, right, if he refused to judge evil, if he refused to judge death and said, I'm not, I'm not judging any of that, I'm just loving all of that into my kingdom, what is God's kingdom going to look like? It's going to look a lot like this. Now, this is lovely, and I love you guys, but the kingdom of God is so much more than we can ask or imagine. Kingdom of God is so much greater. It's a place where there is no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more cancer, no more AIDS, no more tragedy. That's the kingdom I want. I want a God who's going to judge these things and look at history and look at the atrocities of this world and say those are evil and damnable. I want a God who's going to fix this place. He's got to be our judge. He's got to be our judge. 
So here's the problem. These two things are true. He is our king and he is our judge. And if that's all that is true about Jesus, friends, that is terrifying. You should be terrified by that. Because you haven't done those things. You haven't loved the people who are unlovable. You haven't given food to the people who are hungry. You haven't fed all the poor. They're still there. You, you haven't done enough. We're all goats if that's all Jesus is. But he's something more. He's our king. He's our judge. And he's also our savior. Because before Jesus ascended to the right hand of God, before he took his place on his glorious throne of majesty, he was enthroned somewhere else. He was enthroned first in a little manger, and then he was enthroned on a cross. In fact, the judge took the judgment. He took the punishment. He took the sin and the evil and the death and the things that, that we do time and time again. And you know what they are in your heart of hearts. You know what they are. And Jesus took those on his shoulders. He died that you might have life. And he rose again that we might inherit the kingdom of God. He's our king and he's our judge, but he's also our savior. And when we believe that, when we know that, when Jesus is enthroned yet again in our hearts, we're sheep. We do these things. We love the unlovable. We serve those who anger us. We, we, we help the poor. We visit the prisoners. We proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it. And we're not doing it for ourselves. We're not, we might even realize we're doing it. It's just who we are. We're forgiven sinners. We've received a righteous judgment because the judge took our guilty verdict. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the message of Jesus, that, that this whole world of evil is being transformed into one of love and grace and mercy by the king who took the punishment that we deserve so that we might inherit his kingdom. So the question this morning is, Jesus, he's your king and he's your judge is he your savior? Is he your savior? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord, that you're the righteous judge, that in your kingdom, the evils and the sin of this world will be banished. And I thank you, Lord, that so many in this room know you as Savior. And I pray that if there's anyone here who does not know that, Lord, that they would respond this morning, that they would know your grace and your mercy. And may all of us who know you, who have enthroned you in our hearts, may we be your merciful servants, that we would serve the least of these, and in so doing, that we would serve you. We ask these things in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.